Welcome to the family with Ruff W. Basham, MD, Hackmaster. Co-host Catherine Brandt. Andy Brandt-Bernard. And Cassie Schrader. We'll be right back just a couple of minutes with Adam Waits. Ladies and gentlemen, the power of the human, how our shared humanity can help us create a better world. I love it. We'll talk to Adam in just a couple of minutes with the family. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt and talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. <laughs> it's been good, ladies and gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? At, uh, e- either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Walzer Automotive introduces the new kids on the block, not the band. It's their three newest dealerships. Experience the Walzer Way at Wyzetta Nissan on 394 or Walzer Polar Chev and Walzer Polar Mazda on Highway 61 in White Bear Lake. I've had all three general managers on the podcast, and I can honestly say that Mike, John, and Brett are some of the finest car people in the seven-county Mosquito Control District. This month, in addition to great deals, they're searching for used cars and will pay Kelly Blue Book Excellent whether you trade or sell outright. Some reconditioning can apply, so please, no flood cars from Apple Valley. So, if you're shopping for a new or used Chevy, Mazda, or Nissan, check out the new kids on the block. Don't tell them Tom sent you. Just show up and be amazed. That stuff never works anyway. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. Our very special guest, Adam Waits, W-A-Y-T-Z. The power of human, how our shared humanity can help us create a better world. We've been pulling for that lately, Adam, because everybody's so damn crabby. It's like, can we just kind of work together on something? What do you think? Uh, That's right. That's the hope. You know, if if nothing more, we have being human in common, and I think that's been slipping away the past few decades. So that's why I wrote the book, to say that humans are still important even in the automated age. Yeah, absolutely. What do you think? Uh, so let's say it, it has been going on for 30 years now. And, and actually, to tell you the truth, that people ask me about that. Uh, I do remember the, the 60s were not exactly a friendly era either. People just did not like one another, Vietnam War or hippies or whatever it is. And, you know, uh, then, then unfortunately, starting with Medgar Evers in February of 1963, they started killing national figures. JFK, right. Martin Luther King among them. but uh, So it hasn't gotten as bad as it was in the 60s. But then again, you're right. I think about 25, 30 years ago, just 20 years after the 1960s, people started disliking yeah. one another, and now they flat out hate one another. And I don't – do you understand that? Well, uh, you know, if we look at data from the 60s and 70s onward, people report trusting each other less than they did, uh, right. say, in the 1970s. Uh, people experience less empathy now than they used to for other people. Political polarization, of course, has widened, where people on different sides of the political aisle are at each other's throats more and more. And income inequality has m- meant that the haves and the have-nots are in less contact than there have ever been before. So I think that all plays into this disconnection, this isolation and this fragmentation that we're seeing. And it's not a new phenomenon, but I was concerned that we're shifting more and more toward this fractioning and felt like I should uh, write about how to address it. Well, I'm really happy because I, I would love to learn it myself. I tend to be pretty much a centrist. Again, I like Democrats. I like Republicans. I do not like either of the 
far left or the far right. I'm not wild about them. But aren't most people pretty much centrist or, or con, you know, a bit conservative with the, in their views in the Democratic and Republican parties? Aren't we mostly in the middle? I would say that uh, what people are is they're not the caricatures uh, that the far left or far right makes out either side to be. People are complex. Uh, there's no, you know, consistent uh, necessary uh, ideology. People have different views on different issues. So I don't know if, if centrist would be the right term, but people are complex. People have a, a lot of yeah. different views, and I think part of increasing humanization is taking that complexity into account. I think it's wonderful. I love this line from the descriptor for your book, by the way. Uh, the book is available everywhere. The unprecedented access to other humans that technology provides has ironically freed us from engaging with them. <laughs> that's a hell of a line right there, that's Adam, right. I'll tell you that. That's right. I mean, obviously technology has made our lives more efficient. We can type any address into Google Maps to get there. We can find the best Italian restaurant with gluten-free options in our neighborhood. But oh, what does that mean? It means we don't have to ask someone for directions. We don't have to call up a friend for a restaurant recommendation. So even as technology makes our lives easier, it takes humans out of the equation. Yeah, I understand it. You know, to tell you the truth, I, I, I've been a, uh, I do a morning show as well, and I've been on that show now for my 34th year. And just recently, People are saying things to me uh, on digital that no one has ever said to me to my face or written a letter about it or whatever. A woman last week, I don't know how she got a hold of my private uh, email, but she sent me an email that said, F you, and she spelled out the whole word, not just the F. F you, I hate you. <laughs> I thought, now that's something new because I just... Um, you know, no one's ever walked up and said that to me or never written me a letter saying, F you, I hate you. So a lot of freedom for her, apparently. Right. Well, that's another way that technology frees us. It makes us anonymous. And exactly. as, as you, of course, no, we do all sorts of things when we're anonymous that we would never do if we had to identify our our faces and and names. And so I think that's uh, one way that technology uh, can d decrease our, our shared humanity and our, uh, increase our dehumanization of each other. It certainly frees us to be nastier online. Yeah, which is unfortunate. Adam Waits, our, our special guest today, the book, The Power of Human, How Our Shared Humanity Can Help Us Create a Better World. So you sat down and you wrote a book, and the goal of the book was what? To bring people together? The goal of the yeah, well, the goal of the book is to say that humans are still important, that even though our Good. lives might be easier, uh, humans are still important because they're, they make our lives meaningful, they give us a sense of morality, and they motivate us to do things that we wouldn't necessarily do on our own. People work harder on behalf of other people than they do just for themselves, just for a paycheck. You know, you ask anyone why they go to work, sure, they're going to say the paycheck, but people will work even harder if they know that their work benefits another person or, or their company does good things in the world or they're making a salary to feed their family. So these are all the ways that human beings really matter. And then the other part of the book is to say, okay, given that I want to argue that humans bat matter, how can we bring more humanity to our work and social lives and, and various spheres around us? I see, that would be wonderful. Much, much more humanity would work for me because I, we do kind of feel like nameless, faceless beings. Now, when I, I'm not, no longer on Twitter or Facebook because I just didn't really uh -huh. enjoy it. Uh, but I used my real name, yeah. so I didn't try to hide behind yeah. a fake name. Uh, not a lot of people do yeah. that, I've noticed. They, not a whole lot of them do it. That's right. That's right. You know, they call this phenomenon the Facebook self or the Twitter self. Yeah. You know, the person that you present on, on social media is not necessarily the person you are in real life. And you, know, you might get some personal benefit from that. It might make you feel good. It might allow you to say things that you really wish you could say in a secret identity. But it doesn't necessarily bring any kind of shared understanding to who people are behind the screen name. Adam, do you think that people know how much they're stressing other human beings out? The reason I bring that up is when I do 
uh, uh, my morning show, I say things and try to, you know, and try to bring people together and say, hey, you know, there's a lot of good. I know there's a lot of negative news right now and everybody hates everybody else and all the rest of it. But listen to this story. It's a really, really nice story. I read the story. I will then get a couple of calls from people who will start to tear up on the phone because they were happy for that five minutes. It's that important to them. Yeah. Well, I think uh, what people underestimate is their ability to de-stress each other out. You know, simple act of acknowledgement, striking up a conversation with someone. We're in this age, this very individualistic age, where we assume other people don't want to be bothered. Uh, you know, we're very much uh, alone together on our devices and our phones. But we underestimate the ability through social connection, through reaching out, through uh, you know, just smiling at someone that we can have a positive effect on people's lives. So that's the other power of human that I talk about in the book. You know what's great about that, Adam? And, and you know, this is just, I guess, my take on it. But the fact that you live in Chicago is kind of kind of great because you're right in the middle of the country. Chicago, yeah. uh, I love Chicago. And we've spent a lot of time in Chicago. I used to work in Chicago a lot. I love that town. But you really are in the heart of things. I mean, literally and figuratively in Chicago, Illinois. Yeah. Yeah, well, not not just from Chicago, I'm from Minneapolis actually. And Uh-oh. I think, you know, there's a lot of yeah, there's a lot of uh, you know, so I, I've been, you know, listening to you for 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 decades, but you know, I think the thing about both of those cities is that um you know, it take all all different sorts of people in both of those cities, you know, all yeah. different sorts yeah. of experiences, backgrounds. Uh, you don't have to go too far to see someone who who's very different from you. And I think that really uh, has made me appreciate people from different walks of life living in those two cities. I think that's terrific. And Adam, you brought up the fact that you've been a listener for a long time, so thank you for that. But I just uh, did a speech last night um, for about, I don't know, there's only a handful of people, probably 50, 60 people, something like that. And a lot of them said, you know what's amazing, Tom? You've been on that show for 34 years, and ever since you got in shape and got on medical cannabis, you're a much happier person. Here, here. <laughs> so they've kind of noticed yeah, that I'm no, not, not I guess, apparently, Adam, I went through a, a crabby period, if you know what I mean. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I was right. Yes, yes, indeed. I love the. Are there a lot of people that you you stay in contact with that want to achieve the same thing that you're trying to achieve? Like, look, humans matter. We really matter to one another. I know you play your games and you do this and you're on your Facebook account and your Twitter page and you're doing a. But human to human contact is a really, really important thing to me. I know that. Yeah, yeah. I think people, again, they underestimate how much they want that and how much. We need that because as much as we're living in a digital age, uh, robots can't replace human touch. And, and you know, just having human contact, human conversation uh, brings a lot of meaning to our daily lives, and it makes us feel like we really matter. What's really cool, we, uh, we went up to a friend's cabin uh, last weekend, and their whole family was up there, um, you know, uh, sisters and cousins and daughters and sons and uh, and we were the only ones not in the family that were up there. And on, uh, on Saturday night, we were going to leave Sunday morning. On Saturday night, I told the family, I just would like to point out to you, you people are all really, really nice people. It was a great thing. I just thought since everybody was so pleasant the entire weekend, I, I wanted to tell them how much I appreciated that. And they really appreciated uh, the fact that I told them that. They, they wanted to hear, well, thank you. I mean, people just don't tell each other any, any longer, you know, you're a really good person. I think we should do more of that. Yeah. And and it goes such a long way. Again, yep. uh, people underestimate simple gestures like that and how good it makes people feel. Is it tough right now being a social psychologist? Uh, it's tough being a social psychologist because nobody knows what that means. Yeah, are you a socialist? Are you a psychic? It's fun being a social psychologist. <laughs> I uh, think it's wonderful. Because, yeah, because, well, it, it, it's a fun job because you get to figure out, you know, what are people thinking? And as the world gets a little bit more screwed up, there's more interesting questions to ask and answer. 
you know, Adam, what I have to do, uh, if you have been a listener to the KQ Morning Show that long, I'd love to have you on the morning show as well because I like what you're saying. I think it's going to be very, uh-huh. very helpful for our audience to understand somebody out there who doesn't even know you actually does care about you. That's a big thing that, yeah. that people yeah. don't hear anymore. Well, that's uh, exactly right, and that's great. And, uh, you know, I'll definitely let you know the next time I'm in uh, Minneapolis. I try to make it there every so often, not far from uh, Chicago. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, please do. I'd love to have you on the show to talk to everybody. I know that you have to jump on to your next uh, interview in about one minute. So I just wanted to tell you how much I appreciate the fact that you actually uh, wrote The Power of Human, how our shared humanity can help us create a better world. Again, I just think people need to hear from other people. I actually do care about you. I don't know you, but I actually do care about you. So I think that's a good, that's a really good message. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Adam. Have a great day, sir. All right. You too. Take care. What a nice guy. Yeah. I get surprised by that all times. Like I've been listening to you for years. Like, oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I'm different we now. Have been I'm different on now. For a spell, yeah, it's yeah. been a spell, absolutely. But yeah. what a nice guy. He said his, his dream job of one of the interviews was to be general manager of the Timberwolves. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, you might want to be with a winner, but yeah, you know. go ahead. I just want to say, I forgot what Broadway animal vets wanted to tell you hello to. Broadway Animal. That's where Jude goes. And he went and got a shot yesterday. Oh, well, that's very nice. Jude, did you give a shot? Yeah, somebody, somebody oh, sent me a message. I don't know how she figured out that I was married to you. Try to travel incognito as much as possible. <laughs> Catherine Brandon. You need darker sunglasses for that. Oh, so in other words, she's a fan of yours. That what you're No, saying. she said, how's Tom? I'm like, fine. How did she find I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> what? <Yeah>. Tom who? <laughs> <laughs> What are you trying to say here? Uh, I have no idea what you're talking uh, about. Somebody could do a reality show in that vet office. The characters that come through there oh, they, they are Broadway. unbelievable. <laughs> the, the mix office. of humanity that whips through there, and their and their quirky little animals too. It's it's always enjoyable to go there. Always. Yeah, well, I mean that's how it should be, right? Are you seeing the reptiles, chickens? Bert no, in it? no, or just dog no, cats. No, it's 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 just like yesterday. This guy had this little Chihuahua, and the Chihuahua has never been on a leash in his life, and he's a very well behaved Chihuahua, and he just runs around and he asks him all kinds of questions, and the dog barks in response. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> it's just like what? That's the first ten minutes. <laughs> well, how do you? Then you got the guy with, you know, all the chains and the big pit bull. And, you know, it's like, you know, and the pit bull's a big baby, sweet dog. It's like, it's just, you just never know what you're going to see, ever. We uh, need to, (laughs) oh, you know, I'll come back and and mention this uh, email that I just got. Text message uh, uh, that I got as well. We'll be right back with the family. It's Tom Bernard with North American Banking Company CEO and my buddy, Michael Bilski. Michael, let's say somebody has a plan to expand their business this year. How can North American Banking Company get that job done? At North American Banking Company, we'll take time to understand the customer's needs and wants and their plans for the future. Once we have a good understanding of that, we'll try to solve their financing dilemma. We won't take a cookie-cutter approach to any financing situation. Wonderful. So if I need cash to expand my podcast, you got a plan for me too? No. (laughs) (laughs) God, thank you. I see where this is going. Well, we love working with you. We can help any business, including a podcast that's already very successful. Who's better than you? That's what I want to know. I still never liked you, though. You are. No, I never. Don't try to make up. I don't like (laughs) you. Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience, member FDIC, and an equal housing lender. Tom Bernard here for Whiting Clinic LASIK and Cataract. There's no better time than now to ditch your contacts and pitch your glasses. Whiting Clinic is the place I trusted to do this for me, and it's not just me. There's a reason Whiting Clinic is the number one LASIK practice in the United States. Dr. Whiting's unsurpassed experience, the most advanced Contura laser technology, and lifetime coverage are all backed by Whiting Clinic's best price guarantee. Being the experts they are, they wanted to make sure you have the very best for your eyes, just like I did. Call now for Whiting Clinic's $500 off LASIK savings. If you're like me, not a big fan of glasses and contact lenses, then it's time you found out if you're a candidate for LASIK. And Whiting Clinic is definitely the place to go. Call 855 855- 
554-2020 today or visit whitingclinic.com to set up your free LASIK consultation. Remember to tell them that I sent you and save $500 on your LASIK. Offer good for a limited time. Call Whiting Clinic for details. Good for both eyes only. Cannot be combined with any other offer. I'm thinking, what should I get? Um, and somebody said, uh, Raising Cane. So maybe I'll just go by... Um, Culver's has really good chicken, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, they do. And they have gluten-free buns, which I'm very happy about. Culver's does? Oh, they do? Well, it I sucks. love their food. I love hamburgers. And a lot of these places, they don't have gluten-free buns. But there are certain... Like, Chick-fil-A has gluten-free buns. Oh, nice. Oh, Culver's does. I miss Raising Cane so desperately. I do. I would drive Why by there. Why can't you eat it? Because they don't have gluten-free buns? The well, breading. The breading on the... the oh, that's true, yeah. I can breading. have their coleslaw and their oh. french fries. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> coleslaw and, that, and french fries. Although right. their sauce with their french fries is delicious. Yeah, it's really, really good. Raisin Cane's is really good, but maybe that's what I'll do. I've, been, go over there. I've been seeing Postmates advertised on television lately. What's that? It, that's like another delivery dudes oh, or whatever. Oh, it is? Okay. Um, I didn't know we needed another... Delivery service. I guess they make a ton of dough. Really? Oh, yeah. I guess they make a lot of money. So, well, I mean, that's good news. Well, so there you go. You could have somebody go get your raising canes. Yeah, go get my raising canes. You don't want to fight traffic. Mm-hmm. That would be a perfect drone thing. Because, oh, if you went oh, from the Because, <laughs> really, from our house to the University of Minnesota campus is not that far. It's mm-hmm. just that traffic. It's horrible trying to get there. Mm-hmm. So a drone could just go. Can you? I can picture Todd staring out the window, watching for that drone and his food dangling. <laughs> you have to here have a bullseye point yeah, painted on the driveway so he could stand in the zone and catch it. Oh. Well, here, now, here, this is a nice uh, text I just got. Happy birthday to me. Guess who sent me that text? Katie Harms. Katie Harms, exactly. It's also my uh, nephew's birthday. Which nephew? Antonio. Oh, Antonio's birthday Mm -hmm. today? He's a nice kid. He's a really nice nice kid. Happy birthday to me. It's moving day, and the crew from Quality Transfer is working hard. One young man is a listener. Quote from him, I tell all my friends Tom Bernard is the biggest DJ in the Twin Cities. This was unsolicited as I simply have you playing in the background. Aww. How nice is that? That's so happy birthday, nice. Katie. Happy birthday. Danny, Danny about, you're lucky. She's man. about 36. <laughs> yeah, I did say Katie's that. about 36. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Her age and my IQ. Yeah, Alex, <laughs> Alex did that thing. She's getting, I'm like, oh, she's getting more and more like me, mixing up. Oh, my God. What did she call them? She said, you know, it's so nice, Akana and Dady. <laughs> I used to do that with Deb and Jean all the time. I would, Jeb and Dean. Jeb and Dean. <laughs> Jeb and Dean. <laughs> Why do I keep saying that? It's what my brain does. I'm, I can't help it. I'm telling you, close enough to Jeb is Jed. Catherine and I have been watching the Beverly Hillbillies from the beginning. Well, that is a very funny show. Yes, show's I used, hilarious. I used to watch it with my dad. Huh. He's a guy there's a revenueer downstairs and I ain't gonna put up with none of it. No, it's just <laughs> phenomenal. It's very funny. The movies weren't that bad either. The first one with oh, uh, don't you you told him there's movies. Casey, Casey. <laughs> no, it, but it's with Casey. Uh, G- Casey. <laughs> Jim Var- Varney who played Ernest. Oh, he yeah. plays Jed Clampett. Yeah. Oh, and, does he really? Yeah, and there um, movies. Oh, oh gosh, he died young, know. didn't he? When yeah. did it go? When did it go color? We're still. He's still watching the black and white ones. <laughs> still the black and white ones, exactly. Oh, did it start? I don't, I don't know. Late, a long uh, time 1962, ago. 1962. It was still black and white, I guess. Yeah, man. Yeah. I it was 1962. Uh, I think that's when it started. Yeah, I was kind of shocked. You are and, correct. And, did, and it went till 71. And did, yeah. When does and it get color? When, when did color TVs come into houses? Uh, around then, right? It went color in 65. Oh, so three years later. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. Jim Jim Varney played Jed Clampett. Huh. Uh Dietrich Bader played Jethro. I love Dietrich Bader. Eric, My uh, brother-in-law looked a lot like him. But guess who yeah. played Granny? Oh, oh, God. She was great. Granny was unbelievable. Just throw me down the well. <laughs> I know what I'm doing. She was perfect for the role she was in the perfect. movie is Cloris Leachman. Oh, she yeah. Played Granny. Oh. Playing and Granny. Lily Tomlin played Mrs. Jane Hathaway. Really? Yeah. Really? And then, oh, that'd be good. Um, Mr. Drysdale? Dabney Car- Coleman played oh, Mr. Drysdale. Oh, yeah. 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 That's so, perfect. Yeah, it was made in 93. God, I and loved it. 
Yeah, I thought it was it was actually a very cute movie, and it, they stuck very well to the formula of the show. Oh, did I they? Think. Yeah, well, swimming in the cement did, pond. <laughs> yeah. So these oil oil uh, people are flying over the uh, flying over the Clampett joint, the swamp, the, and they look down at the swamp on the Clampett property, and there's oil everywhere. So they come. They actually rappel down from a helicopter to cut a deal with them before any other oil company could get there. And Jed Sidney goes, you know, they offered me some money, but I, I've never heard of that denomination before. I said, you know, I've heard of $25, and I've heard of, you know, all these other things. but Gold backs. Yeah, gold yeah, gold backs, and I heard of silver coins, and I heard yeah. all that stuff. But I ain't never heard of this bill. I've never seen one of these bills before. He told me he'd give me somewhere between twenty-five and a hundred million. <laughs> he goes, "I've never heard of of the million-dollar bill." But he didn't know. They had no idea what a million. He thought it was like twenty-five dollars. And then Granny, of course, goes, "Well, that's fake money, is all that is." <laughs> it was just phenomenal. Then, yeah, and then a relative is trying to talk him into moving to Beverly Hills, and she's like. Jeff, you gotta walk 25 feet to an outhouse. You gotta shoot your own dinner. You don't have no heat, no electricity. You gotta walk through the snow to get to the creek. You know, all this stuff. And he's like, You're right. Why would I wanna leave all this? <laughs> Very good. And you know, nobody was mad at anybody else, and nobody's being political, and none of that, none of that stuff. Except when they first got to their mansion that Mr. Drysdale bought for him for for what did he pay for it? Two million or something? I don't know. He's the richest guy in Beverly Hills with twenty five million. Twenty five million. That's a while. Ago. Richest guy in yeah. Beverly Hills. But it's so great. I, I just the, the whole thing. From start, they get there and it's gated and it's this huge mansion. Why'd Mr. Drysdale send us to prison? I think it's a prison. Did you have you seen the episode where the <laughs> where the uh, composers and performers of the introduction song perform? No. Hmm. So because uh, Lester Fat Lester Flat and Earl Scruggs wrote Lester the song. Fat, that's okay. the idea. Yeah, <laughs> wrote the song and then they performed on in, on the show one of the shows. They, did, they were yeah. guest oh, appearance because they were because yep. they were their favorite. Favorite band, so they got to Lester Flat and Earl Scruggs came and, and played in the mansion. Oh God, it was it is pretty it is pretty funny. There was a there was a little bit of racism though. Racism when they, when they had all of the gardeners up against the wall, thinking that they were stealing everything. Well, two of them were white. Well, I don't know. About One was that. Spanish. <laughs> but he said, "Well, how how they get how they escape from prison? Probably all them sharp tools they're holding." <laughs> He's got a hedge clipper. <laughs> Yeah, give it a whirl if you. I, you know, I, I, it's we love d- it's it. It's dumb fun. It is dumb fun. It is dumb mm-hmm. fun. But it's very. It's. I mean, just really good. You know, mm-hmm. it's about being a family. You know, the family's very, very close. Hey, Tom, heard you talking about CNN today. They're in such disrepair that it takes them four months to pay free freelancers now. They are. Good. Their ratings are horrendous. So why would anybody submit anything to them? This is not a rumor. There are published reports about this. Thanks, Jeff Zucker. He's the guy who almost destroyed NBC, so they hire him at CNN, and now he's destroying that. The guy's a moron. God, unbelievable. You're stealing from other people, though. Yeah. yeah, well, there is that. That's very, very well, true. No, no, it's not stealing. He has a good salary. <laughs> it's a generous salary. Oh, right. The generous it's the, it's salary. It's the boards that let these people get away with all this stuff. No, you're it's absolutely true. right. No, you're absolutely right. Why. But he, he's a very political animal. NBC, while he was there, was way far left. And now CNN is, you know, CNN's always been left, but it's way far left now. I just want to show up for their quarterly yeah. meeting and their great big checks. That's all they yeah, care about. Yeah, I guess about. that's probably true. The board members? Yes. Huh? You know, Catherine was looking something up today that I can't even believe. You know, that an associate dean, not the dean of the entire schools, an associate dean at the University of Minnesota makes $741,000 a year. No, that was the dean of the medical school. Well, still, he's an associate dean. He's not the dean of the entire school. Well, I think I think every college has its own. Do they have their own dean. I don't know how the whole political do, structure yeah. of a university works, but yeah, yeah, yeah there's deans of each. Yeah, I think yeah. there are deans of each school, but geez, that's a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. Well, don't you think? Housing, two cars, and seven hundred forty-one thousand a year. That's pretty good. Yeah, that is. And so, so where's that money coming from? And retirement. Oh, that's coming from insurance premiums and state taxes. 
to pay for that. Yeah, so that's right. don't tell me that the hospitals aren't in uh, aren't aren't in great shape. That's where the money's yeah, exactly where the money comes. Well, from. it's going to be interesting with this whole idea of um, free tuition for everybody. Is what's going to happen to the sports programs? What's going to happen to colleges that are supporting it? Yeah, uh, yeah, that's a good point. A hospital. What's going to happen? To all that stuff. If everything has to be free, it's going to be interesting. If- you think Dean Wormer was making that much in Animal House? <laughs> Faber College. I still love the fact the college is named after a number two pencil. <laughs> Faber, that's right. Something that's very interesting about you know that's trying to find important. out how much money it, universities have in their holdings. Oh God, it's very hard, if not impossible. Yeah, they, well, they don't want you, you to would know think how that, rich they are. Well, and you would think since they're especially University of Minnesota, which is a public school, that that would have to be transparent. Parents. You would think so, you know, and that, and and that. Then when I saw that, uh, there was a gardening show, a, a, a British gardener who's very popular there. He did a, he did a series of, of uh, European gardens, and he got access to a private garden owned by Harvard University in Italy. Oh, in Italy, yeah, yeah. yeah. A pri- they, they need one a, a pri- of those. So, so, so they, they, so <laughs> sure, I don't know where how much money's hidden there in that asset, and how many of these land assets which have been granted to them exactly. are everywhere, and they're just sort of, you know. You're right. You can't. They, they buried it, and they've convoluted the the, the uh, accounting so that you can't find out how much money they really Absolutely. have. And they just keep bringing it in because if you look at, you know, each student, if if you have a if you have a class of uh, thirty students, mm-hmm. and each student's uh, dropping dropping fifty thousand dollars for their tuition, well, that's that's for one for one uh, class. You know what is that? That's one point five million dollars, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Well, okay. So, where's all this money going? It's all a mystery. Once again, we need transparency. We got to find out where all this money's going, and then maybe we'll figure out why tuition rates have to go up and up and up and up, and find out why and a, what and the a, big problem is. What you know, is the problem? In the basic classes, you know, a professor will have who have a hundred students in the class. Oh you, yeah, you, at sometimes least more. In some of the big, big, yeah, uh, big yeah, auditoriums. And of course, you have support staff. You have the teaching assistants, which are supporting students uh, who <laughs> don't go to class or can't, can't get it out of the class, so they have to go to these breakout sessions to yeah. learn stuff. Yeah, associate professors get around eighty thousand. Yeah, they get around eighty thousand, and and once again, uh, they have tenure, so they're going to get that money as long as they live. Uh, I think only professors get tenure. Well, only professors only for, get tenure. Yeah, associate professors, assistant professors. I don't know if they have to get tenure, but the professors, once you get ten, once you're tenured, you're done. S- you, know, you sit around. So, take, do graduate students pay tuition? Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, so there's 47,000 students between undergrads and graduate students. At the University of Minnesota? At the University of Minnesota. The in-state tuition rate is 14,000. Um, Which is actually pretty cheap. So, I'm just going by that. Comparatively, yeah. So... That would be a total of six hundred fifty-eight million dollars in tuition per year, assuming they're all in state. Oh God! And they're not. And they're not. And I don't understand why we have to provide housing for students. I'm sorry. Live at home and commute to school. I did it. I did. What I did. Well, they don't provide housing separate. As no, I know, but I'm just saying they. Ha- but they they build. They have oh, giant yeah, dorms, dorms and, but, but the, but the apartments and everything else. It. So that's an added income source. Exactly. And that's not stream. part of the tuition, yeah. That's right. part of the tuition. Yes. That's and then you have books, yeah. books on top that's of that. Another... And the book profits and they from the make... bookstore go into that. So yeah. They make freshmen stay in student housing. It's like if yep. you're going to... Yeah, I had to. Yeah. So, so if you so you think so you think they're no. they're you think they're pulling you know based only on in-state tuition do you think they're pulling in a billion dollars a year Sounds in like revenue it. It, it looks like are. it probably just are. tuition because the out-of-state tuition is twenty three thousand so it's like what percentage what would you estimate are you know at least forty percent I would say. 40 percent you think they had at least 40 percent wouldn't you Probably. Might be 50 50 well so if we say thirty thousand of them are in state and then Andy, Andy's oh he's working that spreadsheet oh the spreadsheet starting to smoke <laughs> he's working the spreadsheet and the other what was it what did I say 47,000 total yeah. 47,000 total yes the other 17,000 the other 17,000 are out of state that would be a total of 811 million dollars 800 they're tuition. making a billion a year 811 just in tuition <laughs> Average annual cost oh, of books per student is another thousand dollars, so that's another 
Well, that's that, another that, huge scam. Million that's another $47 million <laughs> yeah. in Because you books. have to buy the book that the professor <laughs> of, your, <laughs> of your class wrote. And then, yeah. when, and then when you want to pass it down to somebody else, they give you a dollar for the your Public $150 book. average yearly uh, board is another $9,000 per student. So What's that? Board. Board, room and board. So that's another okay. 47, 46 million. So, yeah, more. They're about a billion dollars in just tuition and oh, other God. necessary tuition, books, costs. And housing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we will be right back. A special guest, Dr. Brooke Kalanick, will join us. Andy, I want you to look up the area code 813 for me. 813 area code. Where is that? Tampa. Tampa. Mm-hmm. Hope Florida. you're well, my friend. Just saying hello. I don't know who that's from, though. I... So somebody in Tampa. Why, there, Someone in Tampa loves Hammond. you. Mm-hmm. It might be Doug Hammond because he uh, he lives in Tampa. So okay. I know a few people. We'll be right back. Our special guest, Dr. Brooke Kalanick, up next with the family. What are the things you want to avoid when it comes time to sell your home? Hey, it's Tom with my realtor, Chris Lindahl. If you're like most people, it's things like open houses, staging, decluttering, repairs, maintenance, and all the people coming through your house. Hey, Tom, the Guaranteed Offer Program from Chris Lindahl Real Estate was created for people like you so that you can avoid the things that you don't like doing when it comes time to sell your home. We have been presenting offers for homes in most price ranges. Homeowners are loving our guaranteed offer program, especially how much money they are making on their home sale without the inconveniences. So this program is for all price ranges and conditions, including perfectly maintained homes? Most homes do qualify. To see if your home qualifies, go to chrislindahl.com and click Get Offer right now. Will you be the next homeowner to accept an offer from our guaranteed offer program? Find out now. If you qualify, you will get an offer in 48 hours or less, and the best part is you get to pick a closing date that is convenient for you and close in as little as three weeks. Go to chrislindahl.com right now to see if you qualify or call 763-401-SOLD. That is 763-401-SOLD. I'm talking to Neil Sheehy, ex-NHL defenseman. Neil, you've had a great success following the Nutramost Wellness Plan. How much weight did you lose, and what makes Nutramost different from all those other programs out there? Tom, I dropped over 63 pounds in 44 days, but more importantly, I know how to keep it off. In addition to my success, I have two brothers and two sisters who had great success on the Nutramost Wellness Program, and collectively, we all lost a total of 222 pounds on the program. My brother and I were so impressed that we decided to open up a clinic in Plymouth. Find out how and why Nutramost is unlike any other weight loss plan by attending the Nutramost free dinner at 6.30 p.m. on Monday, June 24th, at Jake's in Plymouth. Nutramost guarantees that you lose 20 pounds or more. Register for the Nutramost dinner or schedule your immediate consultation. Call 763-333-7337. That is 763-333-7337. Is this Micah? Well, it's the Jacksons. It's the Jacksons. Yes. I love the Jacksons. That's when he had a nose. (laughs) That's when he had a nose. That's really not. That didn't fall off. (laughs) Dr. Brooke just disappeared from my sight. It was right there. Yeah, what happened? Uh, You're right. It is off the calendar. That's weird. That is a series. Mm. Oh my gosh, it did disappear. What the heck? Is she on? Yes, she's on. Oh, she is on. Okay. (laughs) As long as she hasn't disappeared. That's weird. Oh, we're having weird internet issues. We're blaming you, Dr. Brooke. (laughs) Oh, that's all right. Everything else is going wrong today, so you guys can blame me. No problem. (laughs) (laughs) What else is going wrong in your life? Not a whole lot of important things. Our book is actually out today, so we're just having a lot of technical stuff. Uh. You know. The stuff that happens when something big goes on. Yeah, I suppose that is probably true. So let's talk about Dr. Brooke Kalanick. You're, where are you from? Uh, I grew up in Montana. I live in Brooklyn, New York now. Oh, you do? So everything yeah. is good. Since my my information disappeared from my the website, yeah. let's talk about your book. Yeah. What so, the heck do you do anyway? What, what are you doing, <laughs> Dr. Kalanick? What's up? What's the latest? Uh, well, I'm a licensed naturopathic and functional medicine doctor. I'm a women's hormone expert, and I wrote a book that came out today. And the book is called? The book is called Hangry, Five Steps to Balance Your Uh-oh. Hormones and Restore Your Joy. 
Uh-oh, because we have a three-year-old granddaughter. Catherine is here with yeah, me, my wife. Does she have a lot of hormones yet? Because she is awfully <laughs> She's angry. She's always angry. Whoa. It's unbelievable. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> that is true. Can we balance well, her kids, hormones? Kids can get hangry, and their grown-up will usually excuse their bad behavior by saying, oh, she's just she's just hungry. But as yeah. grown-ups, we don't have people to, to you know... <laughs> make it right for us when we act angry well i could see that's probably what drove you to write to write the book so when i've been doing this work now for over a dozen years working with women and um most women are really confused by just the barrage the vast amount of information you know they're being told to do this diet and this Mm -hmm. workout and you know it can be really confusing and they need to a lot of women you know, they'll try something and it might work for a little while and they can't sustain it or they try it and it makes some things better, but some of their other hormone issues get worse. So we really felt like um, my co-author, Sarah and I, that we needed to create a plan that was going to help women sort of honor all their multiple hormones at once, um, which sounds a little bit crazy, um, but we teach it in a very easy to implement and easy to customize for every woman's unique issues system for everything from diet to exercise to um, mindset. That's yeah. I, I love that yeah. because, I mean, just even trying, you know, not diet like I'm trying to lose weight, but your diet, just trying to have a healthy diet is really hard if you have a social life and go out to restaurants. It's just really yeah. hard to do. And our book is definitely not a weight loss book. Some women are going to have that as sort of a side effect or a nice bonus. It's really about helping women feel better. You know, when we look around at women in line at the grocery store or at school drop-off or with our friends, you know, women are just, most of them are not really thriving. We're sort of just getting through it, trying to get all the things done, be all things to all people most of the time, and kind of losing our connection to what our real self-care needs to be and get the spark back in our eyes, those sorts of things. You know, Dr. Kalanick, I got to tell you, I just because I lost my information, I just typed in your <laughs> name, and the first thing that shows up when I typed in your name was Brooke Kalanick's husband. Yeah. <laughs> What's that all about? Why does he I get don't top know. Why are you first? Um, yeah, he's been on your show, Joe Larson. Um, yeah. Joe's a stand-up comedian. Um, I know when we first got together, I remember thinking and telling him, you know, I'm just so lucky. You make me laugh all the time. And um, he was like, you just wait till we're in a fight, and I can't not make a joke. And he's absolutely right. <laughs> it's not always easy being married to a comedian. <laughs> no, I got it. So where did you meet? We actually met at the gym. Joe was my personal trainer in Seattle. Really? Yeah, uh, it was a gym I worked for. Um, yeah, he's actually eight years younger than me. Every, pretty much everything about it seemed like a bad idea, but about 13 years later, we're, we're still standing. Yeah, see, that's a good thing. So life is good. You're happy. Life is good. We're happy. We um, moved from, like, like I said, I grew up in Montana, Seattle. Now we live in New York City, uh, two little girls, um, and then now my book baby out in the world today. I think it's very, very cool. I, I really do. So basically what you're talking about, do people battle their hormones? Because they pretty much change throughout their lives, don't Especially they? Especially for women. They got some battle with hormones yeah. gone at all times, don't you? Yeah, and I mean, especially for women. So they change actually throughout the day. They certainly change throughout the month. And of course, you know, they change a lot through the decades. And that's another issue we really wanted to help women navigate is sometimes you do stumble upon what works for you and everything's okay. And then things change. You have a baby, you go through a stressful period of time, you get a new diagnosis, hormones start to change and decline, you know, as early as age 35. And then you're left again with like, well, what do I do now? And so many women feel like their bodies betrayed them, their hormones hate them. And we really that's wanted to just they do. kind of, yeah, <laughs> no, they, actually, that's the funniest thing. That's nice. Your, your hormones all day are just trying to keep you going in the craziness that we're all, you know, living in that, you know, the toxicity and overburdening of our environment, the stress that we're all under, the lack of sleep. <clears throat> Sometimes we're eating foods that don't work for us or mm-hmm. exercising in a way that doesn't work for us. And so they're just trying to keep us going. And they really do talk to us all day. They, you know, we've got a number of systems in the book. One of them is ACEs, so appetite, cravings, energy, and sleep. And this is like a woman's like, secret hormone decoder ring. When we list teach you how to tune into that and what that means and it tells you if your hormones kind of hate what you're doing or if they're doing okay with what you're doing 
and then you can adjust from there because there really is no one size fits all for women. You know, we really need to be able to understand what we need right now and take all the crazy advice out there and kind of filter that through what's going on for me right now and how do I know how I'm going to respond and what's going to be really the best plan for each individual woman. Yeah, see what well, so Catherine, you got to be happy about this. Well, I don't. I'm just thinking about you know back in the day, and also our daughter has a three year old and a one year old, and the sleeping situation is not ideal. The one year old is right. still, you know, he still gets up at two o'clock in the morning, and I mean, she's at this point in her life, she's finding herself fortunate if she gets four or five hours of uninterrupted sleep, which is obviously not enough for anybody, much less somebody chasing after two very demanding children all day long. So the sleep part of it is just like can't put that into the equation. So then what do you do? Well, and that's a hard one, right? Because sleep is really one of those things that is a really important like hormone reset for us. We all need to be able to do that. But, you know, we've got a seven and a an almost five-year-old and they still wake us up every single night so sometimes that doesn't go away after they're three um Good so news, while this is a well, i wish this was a, a baby sleep um interview because i don't i'm glad it's not because i don't have any advice for that we've um probably done everything wrong there but while this is a book about the nutrition and the exercise and you know the lifestyle strategies like getting sleep we knew that we couldn't give women who are already kind of overwhelmed and stressed out more stuff to do mm-hmm. without giving them a really good mindset foundation to do those things upon otherwise it doesn't feel good sure. um, and it's not really sustainable so we have what we call our five pillars these are just like foundational perspectives for women to kind of manage it all mentally and you know the first thing we would say to your daughter is that right now she's doing the best she can so we have sure. to be just kind of realistic about this season of a woman's life this is what she can do and right now you're not getting enough rest so there's a certain way you can exercise that's not going to drive you into the ground more and okay. there's ways you can eat to kind of nurture your hormones to support through this phase and then again that's going to change for her in time and she'll you know hopefully after going through the book she'd be able to know like okay now's different signals are coming through and I can make different adjustments for what's going on for her because it'll all be different in six months in a year. I'm happy it's flexible because that's one thing about, you know, motherhood, especially well, working anything, women's lives. If we're not flexible, we're Mm-hmm. We're really hangry. <laughs> yeah. 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 Now we've got to be able to kind of just show up to every day with some tools that are going to work. Sure. And they're going to be really different for, you know, what's working for you is going to be really different for what's working for your daughter versus me versus, you know, someone else listening. You know, I got to I got to tell you very quickly and I don't know why this happened, but I clicked on Brooke Kalanick's husband. And so I see <laughs> Brooke's husband's arrest. Uh-oh. Oh, my gosh. Brooke's husband's divorce. And it's Brooke Baldwin, not you. Oh. Phew. Oh. <laughs> Brooke Baldwin from say, CNN. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, um, honey, we need to talk. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so Joe hasn't been arrested, to my knowledge. Well, I'm glad he's not been arrested. I'm glad to hear that. He hasn't up. I am divorced, though. I was married before Joe, which is a subject for an entirely different interview. Nah, this was Brooke Baldwin's <laughs> husband that she divorced, I believe. I'm pretty sure that's what this is all about. But in any case... Um, you you also do your own podcast, do you not? I do, yes, the Sarah and Dr. About, Brooke show. Tell me about that. <laughs> so that was the first venture between Sarah and myself. So um, I'm referring to Sarah. I'm talking about Sarah Fragoso. She was of the everyday paleo fame. She was one of the first women oh, yeah. um, talking about paleo and CrossFit and all that, all that stuff back when that was all brand, brand new. Um, and we both had our own experience with experiences with nutrition and exercise and kind of driving our and being ambitious women in our careers and driving ourselves into the ground. And Sarah and I sort of met as we, as we came out of that. So the podcast was our first uh, venture into what we really wanted to talk to women about, which is like, yeah, we can tell you some ways to, to eat that might be helpful for you. And we can talk to you about exercising, but if you're doing all that and you're still not happy, you know, kind of what's the point, right? We needed right. to really kind of expand what we did to talk about joy and how that may be your best, you know, stress management strategy is just doing something today that makes you happy. So the book became this really complex, but yet um, simple to do, you know, program. So we have the podcast and then we wrote the book together, which has been a real labor of love for the last 
two years. It's hard to believe it's over. And well, not really the, over, but. Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, what's the name of the podcast? So people can the find Sarah, it. Yeah, that's the Sarah and Dr. Brooks show. The Sarah and Dr. Brooks show. Why'd she get top billing? I don't know. I guess it just kind of rolled off the tongue better that way. <laughs> okay. The Sarah and Dr. Brooks show. You can find that uh, anywhere you find your podcast, right? Yes. Excellent. So does it make you happy making other people understand how to be happy? I would imagine it does. Yeah. I, and like, just like when we started talking about how women feel like their body is kind of betraying them, you know, I just, it's unfortunate. We don't get a lot of education as young women mm -hmm. of what's going on with their hormones and what's going to happen. And so, yeah, my work has become just about helping women understand what their bodies are telling them to kind of let go of the crazy pressure of perfection, learn to kind of work with their hormones instead of fighting them. And yeah, at the end of the day, if we're doing all those things right, and we're still not doing much for kind of cultivating our own joy, especially, you know, moms and so many of us are filling so many different roles, you know, yeah. I'm an entrepreneur, I'm a doctor, I'm a wife, I'm a mother, a sister, a daughter. Um, and who gets often forgotten for that in women is, you know, or for women is just what are the things that they need to do every day to, to be okay and to be happy and healthy? You know how my wife makes me happier? What? Whenever I'm in a bad mood, she starts petting me like a dog. What do you think of that? <laughs> Not like a dog. Like it's somebody that needs petting. <laughs> <laughs> it's somebody that needs petting. Yes. She literally comes over and starts petting my shoulder. It's every, everything's all right, Tom. Don't worry about hey. it. <laughs> it's nice to have somebody pet you. It is nice to have somebody pet me. I'm not arguing that point at all. But I think it's really good, Dr. Kalanick, right now you're talking about how, how people can make themselves more happy. You know, just, uh, again, the book is called Hangry. Five simple steps to balance your hormones and restore your joy, including a customizable paleo-Mediterranean plan. Which sounds yep. good to me. Do you have any vegetarian options? We don't have vegetarian options in our book because it is a paleo-based plan. Ah. But I will tell you, Sarah, my co-author, is a five-time best-selling cookbook author. So the recipes in this book um, are delicious, and they're going to work for your hormones, but you're actually going to love eating them. Um, they're they're amazing. I would imagine that's probably true. So you, yeah, you're a doctor, you're a podcast host, you, you, you're writing books. I mean, you got it all going on. <laughs> I do. And I've really been tested this last two years, um, really having to use all the stress management tools that we created for this book. Mm -hmm. because um, So we can say that they work. We've been living from these perspectives for a couple of years. But, yeah, we've got a lot going on. And, you know, with a husband who travels all the time yeah, and two right. little kids. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, without the mindset, I don't know how I would keep up with any of that. Well, the author's name, Dr. Brooke Kalanick, K-A-L-A-N-I-C-K, Hangry Five Simple Steps to Balance Your Hormones and Restore Your Joy. Dr. Kalanick, thanks so much for your time. Great having you on today. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Dr. Brooke Kalanick, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to do it for today, but we'll talk to you tomorrow with the family.